to Moms Media and Your Daily Local in Warren, Pennsylvania. This is Smoke, the disappearance of Damien Sharp. This week's episode is structured a little differently, but I wanted to explain to you how and why before we get started. In the last episode, I gave you a bit of a primer on the science of cadaver dogs, and I told you I was hoping for Barb Rollman, who participated in the organized searches of the ANF in 2002 and 2003 following Damien's disappearance, to be a guest. We've spent 18 episodes so far breaking the elements of Damien's case into their most basic component parts. At times, that process can be a simplification. Both the characters and the actual story itself can get lost that way. And while Herzog's notes have been illuminating, they are also a bit dehumanizing when you bloop back to an aerial view of this case, of Damien himself. I got Barb and another canine handler, Linda White, from Clymer, New York, who brought her Belgian Malinois canine viper for a meet and greet. It was last Saturday and I was bouncing around, sitting in a parking lot, getting my iced coffee on and trying to figure out what to do with the rest of a day that had ended, well, with me sitting in a parking lot with an iced coffee, wondering what the hell to do with myself. Hey, Barb dinged in. I tried to call you, your phone's not working. My entire telephonic existence had just been temporarily suspended when I couldn't remember my Verizon password and was literally at that very moment trying to figure out what to do with that information, having just received it after several failed login attempts. I told Barb that. Well, I wanted to know if you wanted to come meet now because I have another member here, she said. One entire knot in the pit of my stomach, of which there are many, I assure you, but this one, it just dropped entirely out of existence right there. I'd been ruminating on how to write this episode, figuring I wouldn't have any other audio to share with you, and I've been working myself up over it, unnecessarily, as writers do, part of the process. I'll be there immediately, was my immediate reply to Barb. Hard yes, because if you've ever had a job that depended on you coming up with something, anything to smack on a page before a very angry man at a night editor's desk made you feel like a flaming pile of human waste for not doing that, you know that obviously everything gets rerouted when someone wants to give you content. That's an Easter egg from the universe, and the entire universe had just conspired. I could give you the details, but just trust me on this. The universe basically thrust me into that parking lot. It shoved that coffee in my face and it said, sit, stay. I have a treat for you. I love the universe when it's in that kind of mood. 15 minutes later, I was walking in the door at Barb's Kennel on Scott Run Road in Starbrick, saying hola and being invited in by Barb, canine handler Linda White, and the goodest boy in the entire world, Canine Viper, who, please don't take this the wrong way, humans, because Barb and Linda are rad ladies, and I can't wait to share our conversation with you, but Canine Viper was for real, for real, the highlight of last Saturday. I'm a sucker for floof. What do you want from me? Barb, Linda, and I had a perfect perfect conversation, you guys. This is how I know the universe parked my ass in that lot to wait for Barb's message because it flowed so naturally and it covered everything that I wanted to cover for you with them. Like it was scripted. It wasn't scripted at all. And that's why it's perfect. But this season has relied almost exclusively on narration as opposed to first person audio. So I know you're getting used to that 
format. And I'm glad. It means I'm doing my job right. But I wanted to just get at you right now and let you know that the goal here was to preserve that natural flow and tone of my talk with Barb and Linda. So I'm only going to break into this interview occasionally with narration where context or funny local advertising is needed. Beyond that, you're going to hear from Barb and Linda about the science of cadaver dogs, their experiences breeding, training, and working with them, and some of the details from Barb's memory about Damien's case. Barb was there in 2002 at the ANF searches, and she was there in 2003 as well. I'm going to talk to you a bit later about everything Barb's done, her credentials. References are important, especially in this case. We're talking about the difference between finding a human body in the woods or not. We're talking about finding Army veteran Damien Mark Sharp, who went missing on May 25th, 2002, from Warren, PA. If anyone's going to call bullshit on any performance out there, we should by all means check the references. So far, in my assessment, they come out strongly in Barb's favor, and I'll tell you all about that later. Barb, if you're listening, I promise I'm not going to brag for you. I'm just going to say what you've done, because those are all the reasons I think everyone should consider you our person to ask when we want reliable dog information. Okay. So I'm going to start you where I started with Barb and Linda. You'll hear the difference between their two voices, and you'll hear my new best friend in the whole, whole world, Canine Viper, interacting with all of us throughout the interview. But just know that Linda took the lead out of the gate, so remember that voice as you're listening on. Yeah? Here we go, kids. recording i'm just going to shut the screen down because i didn't bring my cord with me but all right so linda white from climber right yes and barb rollman from warren and last week's episode i talked a little bit about um how cadaver dogs work how long have you been doing this you guys 30 plus you? years way yeah. that ago yeah because i got my first three malinois from barb really? so yeah it was over 30 years ago yeah and how did you guys meet <laughs> Um, I'll try to make this as short and sweet as I can. I used to get the local paper and I'd go through the dog column every Sunday. It was the Erie Times and it, the big paper came out on Sunday. And I let out a woohoo and my boyfriend yelled down and he said, what'd you find? And I said, how did you know I was looking through the pet section? And he said, you always do. And I said, somebody, I said, I think it's a Warren number has Belgian Malinois puppies. And I said, do you think we could go see them? I said, I don't want one, because I know enough, you know, I, I, was no, I knew That's enough to be dangerous sad. with it. I thought, I don't really want to get one, but I said, I'll call her and see. So I called her and this nice woman answered the phone. And she, I said, would you show puppies on a Sunday? And she's like, sure. Yeah. I hung up, I said, she will let us come on a Sunday. I was so excited. And at that point, Barb was kind of thinning out her search team and we came down and we saw the puppies and I said thank you for your time and she you know we had our moments together and we left and we were at the bottom of her driveway my boyfriend said I want to buy that red colored yeah. Belgian and I said you don't we don't want that breed of dog oh yeah I'd really like and I said no a week later we came back to see Barb and we bought the dog and then I dared say to her I said well would you ever consider, I know these dogs need to work. I said, would you ever consider letting me join at some level, yeah. the search and rescue team? And she said, let me think about it. And she called me a little while later and she um, said, well, 
Yes, because I've never seen anybody show up wearing red cowboy boots to look at puppies. <laughs> so that's how our friendship we've been. We've been like this. She is a walking and walking encyclopedia of knowledge. I'm telling you, this woman knows search and rescue backwards and forwards. I don't know. I learn new stuff every day. I'm still learning. I still do too. Some years. I, yeah, we do. Fifty some. How did you get started with the barb? I. I guess I had a liking for dogs since I was young, and I brought a bunch of puppies home from a dump with my grandparents, and they told me I couldn't keep any, so I carried on till I obviously was able to keep one, and they placed the rest of the pups in homes. But um, from then on, it just seemed like I was pretty much dog crazy, yeah. and so I brought all the animals home I could bring, and it continued on through the years, and then I ended up... Um, after I got married, I got my Chris. first shepherd from Terry, which was sitting here, and her dad was a police officer, and it was a retired police dog, so oh. I started off with her, and then I got a couple more, and then I went to training classes, mm. studied all I could about dogs, read books, went to seminars, then I got interested in the police training part, so then I started doing Schutzen work. Um, it carried on throughout the years, and I then I had my own boarding, grooming, and training facility. So I continued throughout the years, showing an AKC, uh, obedience titles, and also confirmation. And my life just kind of continued with dogs. Yeah, and they're still here. Yep. I mean, I I remember when this was the state police barracks. I was in the state police police barracks. For yeah, what year did you reasons. buy this building? I bought this in two thousand and one. Two. The year before Damien went missing. Hmm. Tell me a little bit about how cadaver dogs work. We were talking about differentiation and just the science of how they can tell the difference between, say, a dead deer and a human being. Barb taught me early on about scent discrimination. Um, we did a particular exercise one time. I had a young Malinois. He was my first one that I was working with. And we had a circle of 11 people. We were working at the fairgrounds, the Warren County Fairgrounds, and each person was to touch and pass on a two-by-two two square of cotton gauze. And then Barb put it in a bag, sealed the bag, and then we asked one of the individuals to leave the group, but not until we brought the dog into the circle and you tell the dog to C-H-E-C-K, because if I say it, he's going to think he's working. Um, so that means you take the dog to each individual, and the dog just picks the scent from each person. And people don't realize how, and they, I've always read that anytime a dog meets an individual, they will remember that scent and deter a little bit. I think that's why when dogs go missing, they find their way home, because they yeah. never forget that scent, which to me is just mind-blowing. Anyway, after the dog did the C-H-E-C-K to each person. Um, we asked someone to go and hide. And like I said, we used the fairgrounds, which it was two types of scent discrimination because we would go not long after the fair had ended. So now you've got yeah. billions of human scent particles. You have food, you have animal uh, machinery, you had, you know, everything there to, we're not trying to confuse the dog. We always end on a, what we say is we always put the dog away hot. Mm -hmm. So even when they're pups, we make it pretty simple. So they're always successful. Mm -hmm. And then you just broaden that and make it a little tougher all the time. Right. So we would bring the dog back into the circle and now there's 10 remaining and we would let the dog scent the pad that everyone touched, and then it was C-H-E-C-K, each individual, and then you take the dog out of the circle, and you say, 
G-O-F-I-N-D. And you can either unhook them. I mean, if we, the fairgrounds is really great and we were really blessed to be able to use that because it's all enclosed. So with a young pup, let them go. And those dogs would go and find that particular individual. So they discriminated all the scent in the fairgrounds and off that pad, they knew what was missing as far as what was missing in the group. Right. And then they went and find that, found that person. Are there specialized like training um, materials that you can that you can imprint them on as far as scent that are like environmental? So like if you live in the desert as opposed to the forest, is there different kinds of like training things? Desert or? and forest isn't a training necessarily. It's more because it's an environmental. Um, uh, what's the word? Geographical. Like a variable the for the perfect search situation you could have would be. Um, misty, foggy, slightly rainy day. Because it holds the scent better. And, it, and okay. it holds that scent. You take them out in the desert. Now you've seen a lot of Belgian Malinois in uh, army training and things like that. That scent dissipates quick. That, that human cell sits on something hot. The sun actually bakes it, turns dry, and then it blows away. So those dogs, that, they're very specialized. I mean, they train these dogs. If you've got a body, let's say buried in the desert versus buried in the, you know, in the wetlands or whatever. Come see, come saw. I don't know. I still think underground, this one would probably be tougher in the, in the water. Well, that, I think, helps. Yeah. And see, we've done water searches, too. Yeah. And that's, people don't understand that because we did a case where we took a dog out on the boat to... Well, what happens is the decom decomposition comes to the surface, and it was an evening. So you got the wet, damp air, yeah. you've got the water and the scent coming. So the it's scent trapped. sits between yeah. the two. And people are like, wow, how did your dog find somebody in the water? A human goes to a, a surge. If I left this building right now, you would have no idea which direction to start. In a hundred people and one dog is going to work that much faster. I mean, they're going to be quick because they have this. Yeah. And like you said, it's got those billions of scent. Yeah. Yes, she's listening. <laughs> she has billions of, of scent glands to work with where yeah, we, we start with eyes. I mean, so your limit is this, you know, you can only see so far. Right. And so and you have no idea. Their scent of smell is so keen, just like if you're making a stew and you've got a stew, you walk in and you smell the stew. When the dog comes in and he looks and he's smelling, he smells the onions, the carrots, the potatoes, the beef. Yeah. He smells all those individual things. And so when you're working with the dogs out there and you've got different scenting things that we use, we use synthetic sometimes. Um, sometimes we use like teeth, hair. It just depends on what we have available. Do you have to have like specialized, like um, are there regulations as far as like just possessing human biological materials? We were limited because, well, nowadays you can't even bring your teeth home from the dentist. No, I know. I ask all my friends. And, and the reason we use a lot of different materials is, say, a case where someone's been missing for 20 years. Okay, now you've got only teeth and bone to go on. Mm -hmm. So Barb tried to provide something that we could have that slow decomposing. I used to take my puppies to the junkyard. 
and let my pup and they would you know you'd just be walking through and all of a sudden that dog was taking you to a vehicle and you would see the blood on the vehicle really two to right just... you could get use a piece of car you could cut that material yeah. out yeah put it in and right. save it okay. or like you said if you know somebody's having a baby and they're willing yeah. to give you the and i did that up. once i've heard I knew I've heard. That yeah if you know a dog handler they're eventually going to ask you for your placenta, placenta at some yeah. point <laughs> i took it home put it in the freezer yeah. and then i chopped some up and, and use that yeah that's in if you got a friend that takes blood and they're willing to help you and take your blood and get little tubes of it and i used to that be a phlebotomist we should have teamed up i know oh yeah <laughs> because that's the thing if you have year old blood versus 10 year old blood that's yeah. going to smell different how too. much blood does it take for them to be able to smell just a minute you'd be surprised just a drop and just like for instance like say there was this one case that they worked on up in new york and the person had been gone for several years and I don't remember how many feet deep but it was several feet deep the person was buried while well, the dogs indicated on this human remains and when they dug it up um, all there is is like you said the bone and everything right. and it was such a minute area that it was such a big thing that nobody would have ever thought that the dog could pick up on it at that long ago but the dog did and they did locate the person's body how does time affect it? And I guess it's environmental too. So like in the desert, time's going to affect it differently. But here, what are some challenges with a 20-year-old case? If we were to take a dog out somewhere now, what would be some challenges to the dog being able to... to well, a lot of times your decomposition is in the ground. Mm -hmm. So when it rains and all that happens in the snow and it melts, it kind of continues to take and it washes it down like say either into a stream where it can collect around the edges of a stream and that's called eddying where you can go into like a little um concave place and it'll come around a circle or if you have um something down in the water the person could be buried up on a bank and the water can seep down through the ground come out into that area and so the dog can actually be hitting on it in the water where the person could be actually buried up on the hill or anything like this you have different things that affect it like i said even though it's rained and snowed for several years stuff is still there it's still there but see that's why it's good to have I don't think we, I'm, I personally never worked with any bone, but I just had blood and mm -hmm. tissue and things like that. But now with the ability to save, to bank cord blood and stuff, I would think as a mom, I'm almost like, man, I have my kids in 2012. I kind of wish that I had saved something of theirs so that I would have it if it was ever needed. You know, I mean, what a difference that might make in a situation yeah, where true. to have that particular, particular scent to put them on, you know? I'm going to tell you right now, kids, I never felt bad about having a jar of human teeth from my children as they lost them uh, on my kitchen windowsill. I never will feel bad about that, but this confirms it for me. Um, I'm really glad I saved their teeth. Fascinating. Let's get back to it. And the thing, the only other thing that we had that I got, I don't, you, I think you gave me some extras too, finally now, but um, was teeth. That's another slow you know, mm -hmm. process. So there is still scent, but I, I truly believe that if we knew in all honesty what they can possibly scent, I mean, it's, it would probably really be hard to believe because, well, we went to a, a scene one time and again, when I have a puppy, I try to take them to the area I live in, particularly because people know of that I have search dogs. So they're going to, you know, give you a call. I live in Climber. So so when I take them, I always leave the window down just a piece so they get air from all counties. And when we went to the search, 
we were on our way to the situation. I'll, I'll draw it out for you. Uh, the roadway was here. Unbeknownst to us, the missing person was here, but we were to meet here. We ended up going here. But as we're coming down this road, we get to this area. They're getting it. And that dog yelps yeah. in the back seat. He knew that he had never spelled. There was a group of 13 people here besides the missing. And I had no idea that he picked up that scent. So he, if I would have let him out and trusted the dog, yeah. I would have let him out. We would have collected this right away. But instead, we went <laughs> got these other people in the state police and came. And then we came back to find him. That's what I've always taught you. I trust your dog. dog. Oh, yeah. And that's, yeah. and that's, I think it's such a hard thing and people have a hard time with how can that possibly be real? You must be doing something to Im impact the dog and it's easy to do, right? It, can it be easy to influence the dog's responses? Or if you get a dog that's really eager to please and you're overly... You can get them to false indicate yeah. if they're not trained properly. Yeah. So what you need to do is you need to work and you need to be able to read that dog because all training dog, you have to be able to read a dog to be successful. Successful. And I've always heard the more you can step away and just let the dog do what it does, but that's a that's a years and years of learning your dog. Right. Well, what I would do, Alec, that, but right. when we'd start the team, what I would do is I would take a new person coming into the team. I would give them a dog that's already trained mm -hmm. and hand them the dog because the dog already knows what to do, but the person is confused. So I would send them out with a dog and then they would say, hey, when we were doing our practice sessions, well, the dog would do this, the dog would do that. Well, you tell me what you think the dog's trying yeah. to tell you. Well, they're gonna indicate in different ways to you. And if you can read that dog and you can learn to watch for that, you're gonna learn a lot faster. So you're gonna be able to help in this team rather than me taking you in and training you step by step with a new dog by yourself. And that's trying to learn it because the dog is it's a learning process for the dog as well. So the dog's going to make mistakes. So being able to trust that the dog that you have is. See, I slightly disagree. And I'll, okay. I'll tell you why, because when I first started this, people were when I they realized I got into it, they're like, oh, my gosh, how long does it take you to train that dog? And I said about a week that it took me two years to learn the very basic. And I mean, there's so much information. It took me years to finally get that in my brain. They've got it all along. I mean, and she always told me, there's special breeds that'll do this. You can take a, a chihuahua and probably teach it to find something, but how limited is its search area? You can't take it out in the swamp. You can't, you know, but they would, but they don't have that prey drive that, sure. that, that, and, and what you said earlier about you gave a dog, I can back that up because when we were on the search on the water, my my handler friend at the time, he took my most brilliant female. He took her. She was so established. She wrote the book on search and rescue. And she took him and she pulled him into the water to indicate. And he thought she was out there because she was thirsty. See, he had zero idea. Then he took her further down, came back through, and she dragged him back into the water. And he said... I think she's just out there wanting to swim or something all the time. That's where the body was. Mm -hmm. So you don't need the handler to be the genius. This is your machine. This is just this is just the uh, leash holder. That's yeah. all we are, really. And with the, the false positive or false indicating, same thing with him. If I told him there was something in here that he needed to find, you know what he'd do? He'd come over and just what he was doing to you, he would say i don't i'm confused i don't yeah. know he would never show me anything in this room he wouldn't do a false indication they just they know their stuff mm -hmm. <laughs>
And false yeah. indications then probably come from like misinterpretation on the part. Well, what of the happens is or... people they'll see something, they know it's there, mm -hmm. so they'll try to get the dog to go to that. Mm -hmm. Okay, you know it's there, so you want the dog, so you're going to kind of lead them That's to that true. area, and then what way he'll start to sit or indicate, and you're like, yeah, good dog, good mm -hmm. dog. Well, you're teaching the dog to false indicate. Yeah, the yeah. dog has to prove that he's gotten it, and there's other ways to do that. But and what she always taught me was. When you're doing a search, and I don't, I don't want to get him all round up, but uh, let's say the item is those boots over there. Mm -hmm. At this point, Linda just got up and kind of demonstrated around the room how she would pay very little attention or no attention at all to a pair of boots, which were the hypothetical item that Canine Viper was supposed to be searching for, and how she would sort of keep her back to them almost, or in no way try to draw attention to them. So. That's a physical demonstration that I unfortunately can't translate to audio for you. You don't walk your dog like this. Mm -hmm. You do this. Mm -hmm. So you're actually walking away from the situation. So see, he's going right. to follow me because he thinks we're doing something. Right. But normally, mm -hmm. when I walk backwards, I'm not showing him any indication yeah. that it's over there. I mean, even if I did this to him, yeah. he'd go look yeah. if it was cadaver. They're very, very sharp, very intelligent. You stick with the Malinois. You like that breed. What kinds of breeds make good? Um, how different are search and rescue versus cadaver dogs? Is it just what they're trained on, or is it a, a breed-specific thing, that there are better breeds for you different purposes? All I've worked is with the Dutch <laughs> Shepherd and the Malinois, so that's all I know. Pretty much all dogs can do it. Mm -hmm. It's just some dogs are a little bit quicker with it. Some dogs are more suited to it. Mm -hmm. Myself, partially, I'm partial to the Shepherds, the Dutch Shepherds, the Mal Belgian Malinois. Mm -hmm. um, like I said, all dogs have the ability to do it because they wouldn't be able to survive yeah. because out in the wild, the dogs have to search for their food. Right. right. But she had a house? genius uh, border collie. Mm -hmm. When she told me she had a border collie in the search team, I'm like, it can't be full. That's going to be bananas. It can't be full border collie. <laughs> it's got to have something wild in it. And that dog, up until what? He was age 18, and he still did a search. It's, and I've heard like a bloodhound sounds like the best possible dog, but maybe a bloodhound isn't quite that's so different. motivated got... in the way that maybe a Malinois would be motivated. A bloodhound I mean? says, oh, we're going to work today? Okay. <laughs> and it might take him all day because he just enjoys it. These guys are like, let's wrap this up so we can get back home and play. Mm -hmm. you and know? you've got dogs, like I said, are suited for different things, like your bloodhound yeah. are going to be your tracking, trailing dogs. You've mm -hmm. got your air sending dogs. So what you're going to do is they're going to work like footprint to footprint. They're going to air scent out of the air where the scent is out. It's going to cast. The dogs will cast back and forth on the air setting. Once they get into the cone, you can actually see them work the cone. It'll be wide and then it'll get narrower as they get closer yeah, they to the cone the set. The and they'll hone into it. I'm getting goosebumps. I got to go out with you guys. More narrow, more narrow, and that's <laughs> how they it. zoom in. And yeah, it. so they're these guys with the air scent. And because of that, now I don't know about the bloodhound. I know nothing. Well, so I'm just going to speak trailing, about yeah. something. They also have scent glands behind their canines in the roof of their mouth so a lot of times when they're doing what barb said about air scenting mm -hmm. they'll i hear like chuffing or like they'll chomping taste, almost they're yeah. tasting the yeah. air is what they're doing and so they're and taking it that. in here and here and you'll see that on a boat if you're what we do yep. and the dogs will do what they call walk the boat so you'll be going down and all of a sudden the dog will kind of get up like my border collie would get up on the side of the boat and would actually put all four his feet right up on there, and how he ever stayed there, I have no idea. 
But what he would do is he'd come back and then he'd go to the back of the boat. And if we'd come back, he'd turn around and go to the front of the boat. He kept going back and forth. So you knew you were in the scent and you just kind of worked around until you honed in on it. And normally dogs don't jump out of the boat into the water. Normally they'll bite at the water and you'll hear that mm-hmm. clamping. Mm-hmm. And they'll stand over and they'll just keep reaching or they'll paw at it. Um, They'll bark. So there's different indications that they'll do, but they'll get up on the bow of the boat and they'll stand there and they, as you go in work into the wind, mm-hmm. the dog is touching the scent as it's going working into the wind. And you'll see them do that also. So it's interesting to watch them. So I've I got to see it. I've got to see so, it happening. I'm telling you, it's uh, it changed everything what I ever thought about dogs. I, I, it's... So I can't tell any of my stories on searches that I've done, very few, where I'm not brought to tears. It's just amazing. These dogs work for absolutely nothing. I mean, you know, you want people out on a search when everybody's like, well, what's in it for me? Mm-hmm. These dogs will work until they drop. Mm-hmm. I mean, they are as dedicated as anything I've ever known. It's just, I don't know, without sounding corny, it's really beautiful. And when they're done, well, okay, so the river search and I was on the boat when I got back, you know, I'm like, oh, that was really neat. You know, we got to talk to these guys and tell them what we found. And Barb's like, did you reward your dog? Huh? What? What? I'm floating on cloud. What do you mean? She goes, you didn't finish your dog. Oh, yeah. You have to get the reward. And this is all they ask for, all they want. And so I took him out and played. And it kind of, because when you do a cadaver job like that, where there's no reward Mm -hmm. you didn't find this woman where they can go oh yeah i found this woman and i'm all happy and this woman can make contact and everything's good it closes the chapter i brought him off the boat and he's like well didn't i do good so i told him he didn't do anything she reminded me to reward him that he did do a good thing and that training is going on at all times you live with your dogs i mean you live you have a it's a complete partnership right i mean it's a full-on partnership so that and training I'll just is going tell on you at this all times, briefly right? Again, and this is she knows how difficult this is, but when you lose one of these partners, you have lost a part of your soul. I mean, people were like, "Oh, I'm sorry to hear about your dog," and gosh, that's got to be tough. It's tough on everyone to lose a dog, but you know, my veterinarian is the only one that understood. He said, "I said, Don, I said, I just can't get past not having them by my side." working, not working, just they're with you again, 24 yeah. seven. And he said, Linda, he said, you lost a part of you. He said, how many years did you have these dogs? And I'm who telling has you. that I intense? Know, it just, <laughs> yep. It's so, it's so, so hard. Cause you just never, that's you never much, get to close that chapter that's, to any police officer, the canine partner, they're going to give you the same tears that we do. It's, they work for absolutely nothing, just a reward of petting, a bowl of food, water, and a game. That's okay. it. That's all they require of us. So That's cool. why I give my dogs the best life possible, as much as I possibly can. What kinds of challenges are there in Damien's case? Like, we don't even know if there is a body. Like, we don't even technically know that a crime has been committed. We don't know that he didn't just pick up and leave. We don't know that if he was hurt in any way. We don't even know if the body remains, if it was buried, if it was entombed, if it was what, you know. So, I mean, I would think that would probably be the biggest challenge. Um, Well, when you're out there searching for one particular thing, we're looking for a body decomposition. Mm -hmm. 
And what we're doing is when we come to a thing, if it's water, if it's land, we don't know what's there. The dog's just indicating that there's something of decomposition. Mm -hmm. And it's up to us to try to figure out who it is, what it is. And that's why even though if you look in an area where you think that person was, mm -hmm. you take a dog there and the dog hits, that doesn't necessarily mean it's that person. It just could mean that there is some cadaver in that area that's been there for a long time okay. or a short time, depending on how the trains and everything are, how long it's been since a person's been missing. Just like with around here, there's so much wooded area and stuff. A lot of times when hunting season comes, this is when a lot of people get found that have been missing or not so much people, but you know, different things that you'll find as they're out there hunting and stuff. And it's challenging because you gotta look at when you're out there doing work with a dog, you've got the dangers of the water when you're out there. It could be rough, there could be a lot of undertoes. Uh, currents going fast, people get hung up underneath on branches, they could be there for a long time, even though they, the decomposition starts, it can still remain down there, and so it'll collect on the banks of the water, mm -hmm. dogs will hit here, but they'll be out here, this is why you've got to learn to read your dog, to find that scent cone, whatever, or whoever it is, and then work your dog into where the sun is. And this is how the whole thing pretty much goes. But again, on, on the negative side of that, what happens is, in my, my, all my years of this, we always seem to be called last. People hunted the grounds down. I don't know if that was always with you. So you come in with your dog and they think, oh, you're some hot shot with a dog, you're gonna find it. If you don't find it, I mean, then, you know, they wait to call you till last, but if you don't come up with a 100% result, and they've you're had 20 the people running through there. And... In the world. I thought your dog was a cadaver dog, or I thought your dog was a search and rescue dog. Oh, we've had more negativity than I would dare say. And we're there, oh, and we're, yeah. only a, we're only a tool. Yeah. Right. Okay, and we're all there as a team, so everybody finds it, not just one person or one dog. We're working as a unit, be it the firemen, be it the police, the local police, everybody's one unit. We've mm -hmm. all found this person, the boat, the people driving the boat, they assisted to help it. The Red so Cross with the drinks together. helped. Yeah, yeah everybody, everybody is part of it. Mm -hmm. It's not just one person finding it. And because maybe our dogs didn't indicate or hit on something, sometimes dogs will do like, say if you're doing like drug work, mm -hmm. dogs will hit on one scent. And then what they'll do is they'll go in there and say, well, there's nothing there. Mm -hmm. Well, there could be right. And that's so the then, same thing you know, It there. makes your dog look like a fool. Dog was right. But we don't know because we can't smell that. Right. And, and it's not there. So we can't prove it. So if they don't come back with a positive ending, then people say, oh, well, we're probably not going to call her again because her dog never found anything. Well, I know my dog. She knows her dogs. We know if there's something there or not. Same thing, a case I went on many years ago. These people looked and looked. They had few state police there. They were going to get a chopper in the sky. They finally called me four hours later. We looked and looked, and I said, are you sure you want me to go that way? All the humans went that I said, are you sure? Because my dog is going to tell me if we're starting here or not. Oh, yeah, we're sure, we're sure. We went out there. She walks the length of this room, and she starts rolling around in the grass. I said, uh, I'm telling you, there's nothing here. Well, we're pretty sure. I mean, it's the only wooded area. I'm thinking to myself, that doesn't mean. And so I took her down the road, and I said, well, he puts his chair by the little crick there, and he likes to watch. So we walked around the area where he, the crick was. There was nothing there. She found his chair, mm -hmm. and we came back out. And I said to the state police, I said, 
Has anyone asked any of the neighbors? Because I said, we're coming up empty. There's no scent in the field going towards the woods. There's no scent on the road. And there's no scent where his seat is, except the seat that he sits in. They started asking the neighbors. He took his walk at 9 o'clock that morning. This is almost 4 in the afternoon. They took He took his morning walk. He got overheated, didn't feel well. He called one of his neighbors. They picked him up and took him to a hospital in Jamestown. So he was nowhere in the area. So and I going, was, your dog sucks. Well, I was working with, I'll just, I'll just say this. I was working with a group that called me in mm-hmm. and I said, after the search, I said, if you guys ever want to come in and we'll do a, a seminar, I can tell you how you can be an assistance to us if we ever come on a scene before. You know what they did? They called a game commissioner or whatever he was from Rochester and they had a four hour seminar training and never even called me. How can people be helpful to you guys when these situations are coming up or when, like, say I'm hiking and I come across somebody who's working a dog, even if it's just like an informal, like a training exercise or whatever, how can we be helpful? Well, first, if if they're out there training and they've got a team or they're just by themselves, you can ask them if you can help them some way and assist, you know, maybe run and hide or whatever yeah, they're doing. Or looking or whatever. For hide and seek people. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. See, I would totally volunteer for that immediately. I volunteer right now as we, tribute. We so. had, yeah, we used to have a lot of fun with that. The only thing I can say from the other standpoint is they used to ask, you know, different people would ask me, well, what do you do when you get to a scene? The first thing I would say when I get called to a scene, I'd say if there's already automobiles, trucks, anything on the premises, shut your motors off mm-hmm. because petroleum it is the, the only thing, thing that will dim their ability. Oh, okay. yeah, it'll take it away like by 60%. Wow, and it, it kind of burns them. Okay. Yeah, it takes them an hour of fresh air to get that full capacity back. So I always tell people, if it's cold out, shut those motors off. Same thing with the boat search. I didn't have him, but I had my Dutchie. And when we got to the point where we were going to start searching, he said, what do you want me to do? I said, shut the motor off the boat. Really? I said, please. So we just drifted. And that was the best thing you can do. Because if that petroleum's in the air, that's not good. It doesn't damage the dog. I mean, like I said, it clears in about an hour. But that's an hour of search time that you could have had. Yeah, exactly. Right. I would say to be called in sooner because... Yeah. Again, we've done the scent discrimination, but why make a dog work harder? Why not call a dog and say, hey, let's let the dog go first. And then we can say, hey, you know, I took the dog here and here. Mm-hmm. They used to do uh, quadrants of an acre if it was a big, huge search. And everybody went out with their dog and did that acre for like, what was it, an hour? Yep. Grids. Yeah, they do the grids. Grid, just like you it. do the people, do the grids. Mm-hmm. If they let the dogs go out in front, the people come be back behind you. There's no loss. Yeah. Right. The people go through first. Exactly. It doesn't mean that you're lost stuff. It just takes longer to get through the process. Exactly. Right. Better said. Yes. And people just don't want to accept that dogs are capable of doing this sometimes. Well, and that's the thing. Yeah. I think I Damien would be why. here. So this is where I want to take my dog. But if I just let my dog do what my dog does, yep. maybe I might be more yep. successful. If they actually took the time to see how the dog works mm-hmm. and learn a little bit about it, they would be more knowledgeable as to how the dogs actually are able to And do that's this. why I like doing those speaking seminars, because yeah. I would do YMCA summer rec programs, things like that. I know they were little kids, but still, somebody yeah. was paying attention. Right. You know, somebody would remember something. Do you find that you're having to um, defend your process or your dogs or anything like that when it comes to, and, and do you find that you're having to defend yourself with law enforcement on scenes or in situations? I, I don't feel 
that I should have to defend myself. Mm -hmm. I put myself out there. I'm available as a tool. If they want to use me, they can. I'm not going to say, you know, hey, I can do this, I can do that. I'm just a tool. I'll go out there and I'll help. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of people like to discredit a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Like saying, for instance, you're working on a case Mm -hmm. and they think that you say you found cadaver. They're saying, oh, no, there's, you know, we think that you're hitting on an animal. Mm -hmm. So say there's a dead deer in the water. Mm -hmm. They take the deer out, they pull it out, and they put it on up on the land. They have you run your dog on it to see if they're going to hit on that dead carcass right and when we do our training we train them so that they're not going to hit on that Mm -hmm. um we take and we'll test them and retest them and it's all like i said it's all in how the dog is trained and i mean you can negatively reinforce on a deer cadaver if you want to you can train them that that's no you know like you said train them for no instead Mm -hmm. of yes on on what you don't want them to find if you're concerned that there's going to be an abundance of that out there but and i think as far as law enforcement i've the only officers that i've ever dealt with were canine officers and they get it you don't have to defend yourself with them they know how a dog works so if your dog doesn't come up with anything that time, they understand, number one, they're animals. Mm-hmm. There's no 100% dog, none. I don't care who <laughs> trained it and what. No, sometimes they just have an off day, but more than likely they're on. Mm-hmm. But the canine officers are real good. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't get called in on one particular case that was actually in Climber years ago because they asked the state police. They said, we have a, you know, there was a, a person that was missing and they said, uh, the fire chief and uh, fire assistant said, we have a girl in town. She's got search and rescue dogs. Well, it's 11 o'clock at night. And the cop said, and, and he, they said, no, she won't mind. And he said, well, give me her name. He said, because if I don't know it and I don't know her work, we're not going to call her. And it was an, it, it, the case was a pretty simple case. He was on his own property and things like that. But um, they, you know, I'm sure, I, I don't know what their protocol is, but they can't just call in any person that Well, sure, and they, they have, have, you know, if they've got a confident, confidential information related to a case, they've got to have a good rapport with their with their people, but I guess I, I would love to. Well, when they're working, they want the dogs to be certified, and of course, I mean, they want to know if the dogs are going to be able to do the job. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean if you take a dog that's not certified that it can't do the job. Mm-hmm. I agree 100%. Um, you know? So you take a dog that's not certified, and they do something, so okay, well, let's take a certified dog out and see what happens next, because then exactly. the next logical step after a certified dog would indicate would be to aerate the ground maybe or you know it's just a it's a it's a progression right. of steps that exactly. you take exactly yeah. yep. like we said it can be any dog it, at any it time needs to be the type of dog for the situation sure yes. if it's a person that just walked away just recently that's a hunter you can use your air sending dogs your tracking trailing dogs yeah. to out there you don't you know like i said and cadaver dogs all dogs can do cadaver mm-hmm. i mean just it's just like what you choose to train them to do. there was just a story on dateline and about a guy that was out walking his dog and the dog, he said, was digging. And he said, all of a sudden, the dog carried a human skull back to me. <laughs> it was just a plain old mixed Labrador retriever. Mm-hmm. And then the It's dog, just what they naturally do. Yeah. It was a bone. Because in the wild, as you said. Right. That's exactly. what they would do. Exactly. Oh, yes. And that, that's their bond with humans. Because when, in the caveman days, that was the thing they did. That was your bond because you were going to go out and find food to feed yourself. Mm-hmm. Dogs only have two instincts. That's eating which is survival and breeding, which Mm -hmm. is carrying on. Mm -hmm. That's it. 
They don't care about anything else. So if you take care of that one instinct and you take care of it well and you feed them very, very well, mm -hmm. and in this case, you know, I had an unneutered and neutered males. I've worked with both. Um, I don't really notice a difference okay. as far as prey drive. But if you've got the neutered dog, so he's not so worried about the breeding anymore and he's well fed, now <laughs> all his problems this are dog, we don't have to go hunt for food, but we have to quote unquote go hunt mm -hmm. for man and or cadaver scent, which is still human, whether it's alive and, or not. And like using the higher drive dogs, right. the purpose of that, they have longer endurance. Right. Much so, longer. And so you can get the dogs with a hunting drive and the... Not 24-7, yeah. 25-8. Yes. How so old is, are 25, how old is Viper? Okay, now you've seen his energy level yeah. to a small degree. I mean, you haven't seen him at home. This is a 10-year-old. A 10-year-old, yeah. The Malinois get to be teenagers when they're between 7 and 8, and they live to be about 14. Most dogs around 10, they want to lay around and watch the news, you know, but no, these guys, these guys. work, 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 work. Well, yeah, because if you're out in a search, you may be out there for a long time. Right, yeah. And dogs are not going to work hour after hour after hour. Mm -hmm. You work them short segments, give them a break, come back, do it again, mm -hmm. because they get tired just like we do, but it's just saying that a dog with more drive has a longer endurance. And How sometimes too, oh, sorry. No, you go ahead. I was just thinking, and sometimes they get stale in that area. You know, it, we think we need to keep searching that, but if they say, oh, we've done this before, you know, they can't say that to us. So they get a little stale. You take them off of it. Yeah. You you refresh the brain, let them recess. relax a little bit, and then you go back. Yeah, a little brain break, a yep. little recess. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt you. No, you're good. I can't remember what I was going to ask, but oh, I don't think it was a big, it wasn't a big question. It'll come back. I can't remember though. Hmm. Oh, were you going to ask how? Or males or females. Yeah. How young do you start them? Is it like, you know, as soon as they <laughs> can separate from mom? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just shared with the group a couple weeks ago. I said, when I get a puppy to make it bond with me before I can take it walking a lot. Um, and that, you know, that drive isn't there when they're, when they're babies, you know? Right. So I eat with them, I sleep with them to pick up my scent. Now, yeah. I want that as strong as possible because yeah. on a search, if we ever got separated, I want to know that my dog will find me and, you know, and it's behavioral imprinting too. I mean, for a exactly. puppy that age, that's your mom. Exactly. I mean, if that's what you're doing, that's, then that's what mom. I want to take the yeah. place of. Because we start them young and we get them away from the moms young, especially this. Now, I have to retract a bit because the more research I did on this breed, a lot of breeders will leave this particular breed with their mother longer. Mm -hmm. And I'll explain why. Because if you ever watch documentaries on mama wolves mm -hmm. and their pups, it's hard to watch. A mama wolf fixes it one time. <sighs> and this is kind of the, you know, she led me into a book that I got from her. And it's about obedience training. Mm -hmm. You fix it and you fix it once. And it's such a strong fix that they never do it again. And like the book states, do you want to do that harsh? It, I, I, I shouldn't even use the word harsh, but. It's if you saw what mama wolves do to their pups, you would think what, what I do as far as obedience training is nada. Because like the guy said, he said, do you want to know your dog is going to listen to you once or are you going to risk it breaking away from you running across the road and getting hit? So we start them very young. Um, we don't get, well, oh, back to what I was saying. So a lot of times breeders will leave the pups with the mother for at least three months oh, wow. because the mama will, them. Mm -hmm. I mean, and it's, yikes. And they get pushed away from the pack, and they have time to think about it. Mm -hmm. After I do my particular um, obedience training, same thing. They come back, 
they go into a crate for an hour mm -hmm. to let that soak in. Then we can do something else. But we start them young. We use PVC pipes that are drilled, and oh. then we put barb would take and stain a gauze mm -hmm. pad with blood, put it in a Pyrex glass tube, and that gets wrapped in cotton batting, and that goes into the PVC pipe, mm -hmm. and then that's capped off. And then as puppies, you can hook that to a fishing pole or something, and you that's their play toy. Okay. You get them playing with cadaver, they don't even want dinner. I mean, yeah. they just want that cadaver yeah. play. They love that. So that's Like the one we're working now. Start. When she gets it, she loves the pipe. She just goes mm -hmm. crazy. She doesn't even want the reward ball. Mm -hmm. Because the pipe. thing is, when they indicate, then you give them that reward right yeah. away. That ball lands right on there. You know, I mm -hmm. try to just bonk it right off right. the dog. So they like, oh yeah, my reward. Immediate. She won't let go of the pipe. That was the <laughs> second time we trained her. She picked that pipe up, took that thing, and ran away from us and took that thing into the other room, jumped up on the couch, and chewing on that PVC yeah. pipe. The whole time they're getting that scent yeah. because it's in their and mouth. And they're enjoying it, so they're happy while they're oh. doing it. Oh, so <laughs> when they know, find it, it in... enjoyment, but <laughs> they just... Pure bliss. It's Shangri-La, isn't it? Yeah. Conversation took a natural little dip here, so I'm just gonna bust in because I actually am trying to buy a little bit of a car, so I'm gonna pay some bills real quick. When we get back, we'll hear more from Barb and Linda. Hey kids, are you like me and looking to maybe pick up a cheap used car with some of that tax return? Do you have one to sell? Is it cheap? How many miles? You should call me, but first you should call Greg Miller of Miller's Mobile Notary in Warren. Greg just got the Commonwealth's holy blessing to witness your most pressing legal signatures. And because he's rad, Greg's down for doing that in the evenings and on weekends because he's like you. Greg has a big boy job and he can't always make it to one of the few local brick and mortar notaries when they're open. So Greg knows the struggle and now he's here to help you with it. Not all heroes wear capes. But for an extra 20, Greg would probably do that too, if that's what you're looking for. Weirdo. Check out Miller's Mobile Notary and Warren PA on Facebook for a complete fee schedule and to get more information. When you're ready to sell your husband's four-wheeler to his work enemy on a Saturday afternoon so you can force him to stay inside and fix the things, all those things that need fixed, just give Greg a call at 814-706-1173 or 814-706-1173. 3230. That's Miller's Mobile Notary. Your time is valuable. Let Greg come to you. I asked Barb and Linda both whether they expected to be searching for cadavers throughout their adult lives as young children. Here's what they said. Never. I was just an old country girl yeah. working on a farm. <laughs> if I wouldn't have met her, it would have never entered my mind. I thought you probably had to go to college and you had to do this and do that. I would have never. This was like opening a door. She answered the phone and it was it was game on from there. Just as soon as we met and I got, I just, after we got this puppy, I spent that week that with this it. puppy and I thought, gosh, I really like that woman. And I, you know, she said she was in search and rescue, mm -hmm. but she was also in training service dogs. I had zero mm -hmm. interest in that. Really? Teach your dog to answer the phone, teach your dog to turn on the lights. Mm -hmm. 
That was boring the to me. The assistance dog thing, yeah. <laughs> we like well, the high octane stuff. Uh, right, yeah. <laughs> that, it's, a, it's a compassion. It's a love. Yeah. It's, oh, when you're out there, you kind of, it's almost like relaxing therapeutic mm-hmm. for it you is. to yeah. do search work. And I mean, if I wasn't so old, I'd still be out in the woods. But mm-hmm. it just some time the years go by, and next thing yeah. you know, you've got to do something else. Love, it just We loved it. We loved everything about it. Mm-hmm. Everything. Didn't we? They're just so much fun to work with. I can with see them. why. I mean, it would be, it would be. Um, to see what they're capable of doing. Like, yeah. just like if you got a, a person that's left a car and you have no idea which direction they went, you can take and wipe off around the steering, steering wheel, take the scent on a cotton gauze, give that to the dog. The latest scent is somehow they'll pick mm-hmm. that up and go around the car. The dog will pick up a set a direction. It's well, like we had, uh, you all came to the Climber Festival one year, and you brought yes. the bloodhound, and one woman came up to the tent. There's no way this dog is going to be able to find me if I go around and hide the back of the school, because he's not going to see me leave, and he's not going to know. So we said, oh, okay, really? we'll take that challenge. So she left her, <laughs> didn't she leave her phone or her purse or something? Yeah, she left. Yeah, I and so we hooked up the bloodhound, and we had a, a man that was in our group, and he hooked up the bloodhound, and that dog followed all the way around, brought her back. All right, all right, she says, I believe you. <laughs> I love the bloodhounds, but boy, they're like... You have to be on roller skates to keep up with them. I yeah? would never have. Yeah, I, I'm just not the, a fan of that type of surgery. He, they're slow. They're methodical. Mm-hmm. I want the adrenaline junkie. Yeah. You know, I want that 70 miles an hour. Yeah. But the it? thing Where about the Malinois, especially my first one, I learned if that scent was here, that dog could run past that 14 times. And then he'd be like, oh, yeah, here it is. There it is. The bloodhound would go... And it would take okay. him probably at least as long or longer, yeah. and he'd go right to it. Malinois are more like me. They have the ADD. They're like, oh, what's going yeah. on? Yeah, what's absolutely. going on? We're having fun. On that one. <laughs> but what a phenomenal yeah. working dog. And the phenomenal. energy. They just have the no, there's, there's no holes in their theory. They're just... Um, and there's no stopping them, it sounds like. They're the just... hairy missile, as I call them, is, uh, they're just perfection. And they're not a breed for everybody, because like I said, they, they take, you need a lot of exercise. Or they can become very destructive. Destructive, you know, oh, he because they just get bored. Because he wanted in, because he couldn't get to me. He's gone through a window before. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there's no limit. Everybody's like, oh, well, your dog's okay, right, in your car? Are you kidding? The only thing that separates my dog from outside of that car is a window about that thick. Oh, he'd go through anything. They are, they are almost stupidly, you know, they're, they're just, they're, they have no fear at all because they don't know what's going to hurt them. Mm-hmm. They're, and they're trusting you completely. I mean, you're their right, human. You're going right. to tell them if that's no, but that's, you know, that's, again, that's the, the price you pay for that bond because mm-hmm. you, I can't go and, and it's tough for me to go and do anything in the summertime mm-hmm. when I With, leave in a yeah. vehicle. Now, can Either you I t- leave it running or yeah. I can't take him? I was going to say, can you go to a festival? Can you go to music in the park with him and still, or is he not a dog that you can this take? This one, no. Okay. And, you know, I asked this question last week. And it's funny I brought that up. Her and another girl that she works down here, too. They both have been in German Shepherds for many years. And I said, all right, girls, I know this much about German Shepherds. I said, so if you owned seven German Shepherds, is each one is the varying difference of each one of them a great difference or not? Mm. And they're both like, well, I don't know. And they both hemmed and hawed for a couple of minutes. I couldn't take anymore. <laughs> I said, all right, let me answer the question. I said, I don't know about German Shepherds, but I've had seven of these, and every one of them is distinctly different. Say it in one sentence. Complete. He, is, like I said, I didn't raise him from a baby. He's got a lot of problems with sensitivity to loud noise, mm-hmm. and 
he just he has a real bad dog aggression so mm. i can't can't take him the malinois to me and you can correct me here i think the dutch shepherd would be a better mm -hmm. i'm going to take it to the park the sensitivity level here and the protection level you saw my sweatshirt yeah the protection level is almost <sighs> something you call caesar milan for they will protect you matter what oh gosh and every one of mine have been like that even maverick who was my least prey drive he didn't really care about search work yeah. he'd do a little bit of it but he we couldn't ever really get him engaged if i took him to a search i couldn't say i trust him to find anything <laughs> but one day i was walking him and my other uh, male we were walking past the school it was getting dusk and we're just walking straight ahead lots of people and that was okay they knew i had control of the situation and, and it wasn't upsetting me and all of a sudden maverick did this and did this and all of a sudden he just i mean took my arm and turned me right around and there was a man walking behind us in a raincoat mm. and he didn't like that he didn't this one didn't react not, not him but right. the other one didn't react this one he had it and that was maverick the couch potato <laughs> so everybody's like They're oh like well you have to train them to be protection dog Oh no! It's you have to You have to train them to say to say stop. <laughs> to be appropriately she showed me a video. It was a, it was a, it was the same bloodline as my first three males, yep. and it went to the um, police academy or not academy, but the police uh, in uh, Ashtabula, Ohio, mm. that division. And she said it was a forty-five pound female, and she ran up against the guy in a bite suit, and she hit him so hard. She spun him all the way around and his helmet, when he fell, it split his helmet, held on by the strap, 45 pounds. Of course, I don't know what the G-force is when she no, they got him, a lot. But she, she was... wouldn't let go. It took that trainer 11 times with ouse, ouse, to yeah. let go. She was having that. So there's no- The intensity. Yeah, it's not getting them on, it's getting them off. off. Because yeah. that becomes a dangerous, I mean, well, I worked with or the Cory City Police when they used to have a canine, and he said, I always wanted one of these until I saw enough of what they do. He said they're too unstable. As far as instability, very small category, because unstable, as far as protection, yes. Workability, he's totally stable. As far as protection, that's an He's uncontrolled situation out. to yes, him. Yeah, is. that's yes, not work. That's it's, not, yeah, predictable. He is going to, whatever it takes, stop what is in front of me. I told them a few months ago, I was walking him on the trail. I walked the rails to trails in my area. Mm. And we're just strolling along, beautiful weather, birds are chirping, and all of a sudden he stopped and he cut right in front of me. And I thought, well, I don't know why you're doing that, which reminded me of a story that she told me or if her friend told her, shared with her years ago. I put him back. He would not let me go any further than that. What was in front of you? I have no idea. Wow. I have no idea. Huh. All I can guess, possibly, I mean, he sees deer. He wants to chase. All I can think of is Barb said bear. Like a bear, really yeah. Bad. They that's, can sense that. That's a whole different reaction it. from a dog. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I stood there and listened. Same way with horses. Horses, horses, yeah. And there horses, wasn't a yeah. twig that snapped, so I didn't. I have no idea, but he was not, and he was nipping me. He really? said, we're stopping, we're not going oh, okay. Yeah, so he was going. actually like setting the tone for the day. He was like, oh, this yeah. is what's happening now. And see, the only other dog I trusted like that was my female um, Belgian that I trained for search. She yeah. would, she was very wise. She knew when something was bad and something, remember that guy that came up from South Carolina that time? That's what he said. He said, when they learn, when they get wise, that's a really good dog because he tested my one 
Belgian. Right. We put him in my boyfriend's pickup truck, and we all went in the restaurant. And he came out alone. Yeah. And he walked all the way around that truck, and that dog just watched him go. Yeah. And then he went up to the vehicle, and he slammed yeah. his hand on the hood, and that yeah. dog went. Yeah. I mean, it, he's like, "That's what I want to see. I don't want a dog that That's when gonna I get in the vehicle is to gonna, everything. Yeah. Be havoc. So that mm. in that case, so back to your walking through the park. Yeah. See, and that's the thing. I have two little girls and I want a dog. I want a dog that we can have be a pet, but I want, I do not want just a pet dog. If we're going to have a dog and I've told the girls this and they're like, well, what? I want to pick. I said, no, I'm picking the dog. If I'm going to have a working dog, I'm going to have a dog that I pick. That's going to be a partner. And it will also be a lovely dog to have around the house. But that's the only way that I really want. I don't really want a pet dog. I want to Partner. A working dog. Yeah. The and thing about them, working dogs. Uh, and make the thing good about pets. them too mm -hmm. is they consent all the way around us for a great deal. Where are we? If we're walking, this is what we see. We don't see here, here, or behind us. They do. So I can't control what I don't see. They're, they're sunning, they're hearing the whole yeah. nine yards. Yeah. And like I said, when you're out there in the woods and stuff too, when they're going to alert on something, they're going to tell you if somebody's there, mm -hmm. if it's an animal, a person, you know, whatever it may yeah. be, they're going to alert you to that. So that's also nice when you're working in the woods to have yeah. the higher drive dogs. And that's yeah. why I love walking with him. I have zero Because the bloodhounds, they're going yeah. forward. They don't look in reverse. <laughs> they're like, I don't care. Well, that's a good point. You're, you're right. You're they right. just go forward. They don't know what's behind okay. you. I don't so know that a bloodhound, in all seriousness, I'm going, the bloodhound people would have to educate me because I don't know if they would do a protection to work as long as you're going forward yeah but i mean i don't know if what's they're solving a puzzle whereas this one's looking for something yeah yeah <laughs> this one's but i wonder if a bloodhound yeah. would defend you as far as going after something very few and far between i think that's what i would they seem like they're less dog. energetic they're more problem solvers and that's yes. not part of what they were bred for yeah. to do mm -hmm. yeah you know, you got your guard dogs, you got your dogs that are going to defend you, then you got your little couch potatoes that aren't going to do too much mm -hmm. any. And everybody has a need for a certain dog in the world. Like Not everybody's so crazy breeds. like us who want all these <laughs> right. high drive dogs. Right. Hmm. But like we said before, as we age, I mean, it's just a lot to take care of. Yeah. Yeah, instead yeah. of having five, we get it down to one or one. two now. Yeah, because yeah. I had, I had, well, I had seven dogs at once. I had three Mallies and a Dutchie, and then I had three little house dogs. Everybody's like, you're, I mean, they called me the crazy dog lady. I mean, yeah. they, everybody in Climber's like, she's, something's wrong with her. <laughs> I couldn't get enough of this breed, and I just. We should take him for a walk with me. I've got a lovely spot where we should go walking. Oh, really? Yeah. You have a look? I have a lovely spot where we should go walking. I would love to, we'll I would love yeah. for somebody that doesn't know the breed to just see how mm -hmm. they are as on a walk. Oh, I would love to do yeah. that. I really would. We definitely will. We'll have to show you the cadaver stuff in that, too. So I wanted to drill down with Barb a little bit into her memories of searching for Damien in 2002, 2003, throughout the ANF, different places that they went, and just kind of how she remembers everything going. Let's listen in to her answers. Can you tell me your memories of this case? Like, so you got involved in 2002, right, with Damien? I believe it was somewhere right around there, yeah. 2002, 2003. So, I mean, you were there for the first searches. How Did they contact you? Or was it, how did they get all those people? I mean, there were people from West well, Virginia. Well, I think the sheriff's department called out, like, the search teams and anybody okay. that could help us. Okay. Cool. So it was and, anybody that would could, yeah. could or would come. And so, like I said, they, you know, they came, they gave us the specifics, what we're looking mm -hmm. for, who we're looking for, how long it's been, mm -hmm. an area to check. They would say, okay, we're going to search this area, this area. We'll put you in groups. You go this area, you go this area to cover different areas around where they thought a possibility of someone might have been in that area. Mm -hmm. 
And then from there, they have you do the search, come back, report it. Mm -hmm. They have like a detective or one of the departments would go with you. So there's always somebody there with Mm -hmm. you in case you ran into problems or anything. Law enforcement liaison. What? So you guys did Morrison, you did Chapman Dam. My understanding of the devil's elbow situation is that there was scent at the water and that dogs indicated strongly at the water. Divers were sent in and nothing was recovered and the dogs were brought back and they indicated strongly again. Does that sound familiar to you at all? Um, I would have to look back at my records, but I know that uh, the team that we had at the time and then also another team that was called in, um, their dogs also hit on the area. Mm-hmm. And that means that there's some type of either decomposition, whether it be on the land, in the water. Um, that particular spot has a, a little creek coming down from a hill above. And so you've got Jake's Rocks Overlook and picnic area up above. And then there's Jake's Run that runs down into the reservoir at Devil's Elbow there at, the, at that little inlet. Um, is it possible, like, for a scent to disperse from up top down the run to the bottom? Oh, yeah, because it can seep down through the ground, come down through the water, and it's going to collect, and then it can collect on the out around the banks. Like I said, it collects on the leaves, it collects mm-hmm. on the grass, mm-hmm. and it'll collect there and it'll keep spinning. And I find so it interesting like, that both times it was in, well, the first year it would have been um, June because it didn't start until, you know, June. He went missing on May right. 25th. But the second year it was spring. It was it was early March. And I just think of all that runoff and snow melt carrying all that scent down the hill. I just feel like they were at the water because that's where the scent was. And that makes perfect sense. But thinking about it from another perspective, I just wonder if. Up right. Because a lot of people think, oh, well, you know, they're in the water. They're in the water. That doesn't necessarily mean that they are. Use the divers as to check that area out yeah. that show where the dogs have shown interest. And when you get that many dogs showing an interest mm-hmm. in a certain place, they can't all be wrong. If right. two dogs, if you bring one dog through and it indicates, and so, and I don't we know. We always back it up with another dog. With another mm-hmm. dog. And right. so, yeah, I mean, it's just confirmation. And what's the likelihood that two dogs would indicate at the same spot with the same sort of intensity if there were nothing there? Like, what's the accuracy or the, you know, specificity? It's, it's pretty. They're pretty accurate. They're not going to just... Two dogs, independent dogs going and crazy. Like I said, that comes back to the handler. You can tell when your dog is off mm-hmm. or not interested in a particular day. But if your dog's working and it indicates, that's, to me, that's 100%. Mm-hmm. Right. And the intensity of the response that they're giving you as to how they're reacting to that right. area. That indicates the strength of the amount of decomposition that they can detect? Mm, or? It, no. Maybe not so much that, but just that there is something there okay. like, hey, look at it's hey, for dummy, sure. Look, I would look. say I would say um, sometimes accuracy uh, what people view as accuracy again, what she said, the scent can be down here, the scent can be up here, the dog's going to show you know, scent, well, they're going to say well, he can't be in two places well, yes, but the scent and it's going to go to the place places. where it's strongest so, right? again, you dig this spot, you get nothing. You dig there, you get nothing. So now you still haven't found the core. But the mm-hmm. dog isn't going to say, well, I smell a little bit here, but I can tell you, mm-hmm. you know, it's over there. Stronger. If you're going to go to the stronger say, of the scent areas, but that still doesn't mean that's where it's at. Okay. It just but means see, that's a stronger When you tell just a natural person that, they're like, oh, that sounds like an excuse. It's well, not. No, but if you proven it over and over. And it over. seems She's like. She's been doing it for. How many years have you been doing this? I've been in it. Uh, I know about 30 some years, but I've been doing dogs almost 50. 
Well, but I mean, the search and rescue, you were doing this way before yeah. I came on the scene. Years and years. Yeah. And if you just let your dog off of a leash or off of a lead and, and you say, go do your thing or whatever the, the command is, they're naturally going to hone toward the, the place of the most concentration, which doesn't necessarily mean you're going to find anything, but that's a clue that there's a lot of concentration right here. So what happened here, right? Because yeah. that's, that's outside of the specifics of the training. That's the training, period. Your job is to go find cadaver. You come home, you sleep, you eat. That's it. So there's that. that's it. There's we keep no it so confusion. simplified. Right. I don't have him jumping out of planes. We don't have them. He's not concerned uh, what his performance review was last year. Right. Full jobs for them. We keep them very job specific. Mm -hmm. And that way we know beyond the shadow of a doubt, there is scent there and something is in this area. Mm -hmm. But again... To call in somebody with heavy equipment and to dig dogs their... don't lie. That's what yeah. I always right. Say. They have no re right. Right. reason. Right. There is or isn't. They want to be rewarded. But to, in order to dig, you know, let's say it's an area as big as this room. That's a lot of digging. And see, mm -hmm. when we're doing scent work, their reward, whatever it may be, is like God to them. Yeah. They want that toys or whatever it may be so bad that they want you to know, hey, there's something here. I want my reward. Hey, yeah, I hit yeah, this on the table. Yeah. That's over there. Sorry that's about that. That's what I mean about protection. Yeah, I he see. He's just asleep. He's, and he's ready. All, he's yeah. making sure. He's nothing gets by these dogs. And see, that's the same thing. Oh, let's just say he was doing nothing and somebody put cadaver outside the door, he would have he the would same mean. reaction. Mm -hmm. Whether it's a knocking or whatever, he's going to react mm -hmm. to whatever he He's like, okay, there's nobody there. I'll come yeah. back now. Yeah. But he's going to stay there long enough to check it out. And that's the thing. He's he's making sure that he wasn't incorrect or that he, you know. That somebody came here that and I didn't know it. That everything really right? is cool, yeah. Lots of people say, oh, I've, I've got guns in my house. i got a gun on my dresser. Well, your gun can't smell somebody coming in. Mm -hmm. You know, they can smell if somebody enters your house. And you can tell by the reaction if they're laying their tail to get up, but you know somebody's outside the door. They don't even have to go to the door to tell me. Yeah, I can tell yeah. by the dog's well, body language. Yeah, is it a friendly person? Is it not a friend? And that's the thing that's what always killed me is that my, my mom's dogs know when she's home, and they know when someone's there that's not her. You know, they their reaction is yeah. completely yep. different. Yep. And it, it's a, I got to go. You're making me want a dog like right now. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like but to go people stay are too fast to try... If you stay at her house, it's such discredit a... the dog. And I don't know why. But it's they're true. dogs. They're going to do what they do naturally. Mm -hmm. All we can do is help say, hey, we feel the dog is indicating something. Mm -hmm. This gives us an area to check out. And I would think that if you're coming across responsible, um, especially cadaver dog handlers, you're finding that they're not saying my dog can do this and my dog can do that. They're saying my dog can and cannot do this, this, and this. This is what it means. And I don't know if that's helpful to you well, or like not. Like we would but say, we would come is. to a search and we'd say we're here to help. Mm -hmm. Period. That's all we are is just, you know. Again, it's another tool. The mm -hmm. one book that you gave me about search and rescue, it said one dog would equal six to ten people. Mm -hmm you know, the work, the amount of work they could do. So we're bringing six to 10 people when we bring a canine, mm -hmm. you know, and for the amount of land they can cover in a shorter <laughs> amount of time. I mean, it's just. Well, just like when we work, we had two separate teams, dogs trained, two different people training them, mm -hmm. different groups of people training them, mm -hmm. coming the together as a tool to help. Right. Dogs hit from one team, dogs hit from the other team. Mm -hmm. That's all we can say. Dogs are indicating. That's and why we used to get together with the uh, Glade Water Rescue. And, you know, they informed us of a lot of things that we didn't necessarily need to know. But it was good just to have that here. So if we did have a situation, 
then we know what they're doing and we know whether to stay out of the way or engage. Well, just like if a person's in the, in the water, what happens is a body's laying there, the scent comes up and it's on the surface. So when dogs go by, you know, they may hit down here, but the body's up here because the water's moving. So what we try to do is we try to work the dogs into the way the water is going, work it in so that they'll be easier to catch the scent or air sunning to catch them, take them that into the wind. That must have been why you wanted the current, the map of the currents for the Casey Bridge and the Devil's Elbow right. Bridge. Yeah, yeah, because you want to have an idea which way the waters are going. And yeah. like when it comes into Devil's Elbow, the way the current comes in and goes around, you need to know all that when you're doing a search. I know. So I spent is, last you know, summer trying to figure out how those currents worked. So is Devil's Elbow <laughs> like an eddy, a pool, or does fresh water come? Come in constantly. And that's going to make it that. change. The water mm -hmm. coming Is that down what off it does? So it it's, a, it's an inlet of the reservoir, kind of just one of those little inlets. You know, you get to a little wooded area, but there's also a creek coming down in, and running into it. So fresh water is constantly adding to the reservoir water that's But does eddying. the reservoir water always come in and circle I'm not that way? sure how the currents work, and I'm not sure how they would have worked then, because I don't know what the shoreline was like and what the, you know what I mean? The, the, the physical differences between well, 20 years ago and then. Then yeah, you can't make... yeah, it's kind of like I think that's yeah. So like if the water is yeah. coming by here, I'm wondering, does the water always come through there, or does it just blow it's gonna on by? Depend on how the current's going. And it's going to depend so on how many boats are in the water. The it was Memorial Day weekend, so it's going to depend on use. People were swimming the day you guys showed up. His friend Danica was swimming up there and got kicked out by dogs, like on that Thursday. It's bananas to me. See, this so, yeah. would be neat to bring in Glade Rescue and have them talk about the water. Like, I know, like, um, Don that worked the dive oh, yeah. team right alongside of is us. That, is that, do you remember George Burns? Um, yes, I would know the name. Okay, he was mentioned in that one report, and I don't know if he's still around. I really would like to get a hold of him, because he's the one that mentioned from the sheriff's office end of things. He was on the sheriff's office dive team, and even he said, the searches were called off, and we don't know why. And I'm a member of the sheriff's department, and I don't know why. All I know is we came in, we did our thing, and then they said that if they were going to get... Neither they would call us, and that was the last we heard anything. You don't know who called it off? I don't know who the, who was the incident command. I don't know who was in charge of that actual situation. Why I don't would know. anyone stop a search? Especially when four dogs were indicating, or I don't know if it was specifically four. I'd have to look back through my notes, but I know that dogs were indicating strongly. And, and here's what's also interesting. It didn't hit the paper until the 20th and the 21st, I believe, of June. You guys were out there on the 15th. So in, intentionally, and that's great. I'm glad that the newspaper wasn't oh. called. I'm glad that people weren't informed, but it's just fascinating to go back through. Why would they work for four? So what I'm saying is that you guys were still out there on the 21st. So that's what, six days? that yeah, you guys worked before yeah. it was called off. And so I guess I'm curious. Um, I want a lot more information on where and and what took day one. What was day two? What My was the thoughts, you know? Me, and I know, see, I know nothing about this, so I'm neutral. The only guess I can make is, well, if your dogs didn't find anything in six days, and we're not going to waste our time. And that's the that's thing only a. A non-educated guess. But what kills me is that there were dogs indicating at the area of Devil's Elbow and divers were sent in and then the dogs were brought back to the water and, and the divers found nothing but the dogs were brought back and indicated with the same intensity and the searches are called off. I just don't. Oh and a deer gosh. carcass is pulled from the water so she can spend an hour working her dogs on a deer carcass instead. 
Well, and and that to me, I'm just thinking like I don't understand what's going on here. But well, you're one of the few. I, so I other people would be like, "This is, you know, your dogs didn't find anything." Yeah. We're, we're I didn't realize that they had that in the report. Yeah, that the, that they had yeah. done that. Yeah, yeah, because they did have us run the dogs on the deer. Yeah. And that, that to me is such a way, and I said this in the last episode, that to me is, and you know, what kills me is in the one, in the one, um, article that ran on the 20th or the 21st, Rick Hernan said, you know, we're, we want your information, but please don't call with rumors that just takes resources away. And it's a distraction from the real purpose. And we're, and I'm thinking to myself, then who ordered that deer out of the water? For Barb, when they yeah. were looking and getting indications yeah. at Devil's Elbow, why would you pull a deer out and distract right. the dog with that? Yeah, so who came up with that and who called it off? Yeah, that's bizarre. I'm sure they were probably just trying to make sure that the dogs weren't hitting on any animal carcasses. And that's totally fine, but I, I guess I would say rely on, are you a dog expert or is Barb Rollman a dog expert right now? Because, I mean, if you're going to call these people in as your experts in, a, in an area that you're not an expert in, then have enough respect to say when that expert tells you this is not the case, then I guess... You know, unless you want to go become a dog expert, maybe listen to your experts. That's true. That's why you call them. That's true. You know. And right. that goes for any industry. That goes for me as a journalist. When I call cops and ask them questions and they give me answers I don't like, if it's a logical answer, I have to say, well, that's, you know, that's the answer. I don't like it, but sure. that's, you know what I mean? That yeah. goes for any industry. Yep. And that cross-industry communication, like you said, for dog handlers and Glade rescue to have a good rapport is yeah. so important yeah. because now you know how to work together mm -hmm. and you can be more effective you can amplify yeah, it would be great if everybody would do that <laughs> I we had you. a gentleman came in we just talked about this a couple hours ago we just had, we had a gentleman came in he worked on the colorado school shooting really and he came to this area i don't know what year that was and he said that's what he said he said we're gonna get everybody together dang it he mm -hmm. said we're gonna have Fire department, working with the dogs, working with Glade Rescue. And we had this beautiful, big, fat umbrella. And a year later, he passed away. Uh, that was lost. here in Warren? Yeah. Everything. yeah. Do you remember it, his name? Um, yeah, it was Bob. Um, I'll get it for you. Okay, well, we it, need to restart that because that's so Okay, he, he worked at the EMA or the Emergency Management Agency. Okay, okay. Yeah. And he'd he passed away. Great. I don't know if he had a heart attack. I mean, he understood us. He listened. We had Glade Rescue. We had these big, huge meetings. Yeah. And I said to him, I said, you're the first person that gets what we're trying to do. Or we want to work as a team, another hub. You know, and we want to be together. And he said, I promise you, I'm going to be, you know, this it's is going to be it. Bob Hoffner. Robert Hoffner. Bob Hoffner. Was it Bob? Hoffner. I think it was the name. I'll find okay, out. But I think I think that's what it was. I'll find and out. And I okay. said, yeah. don't you dare leave us. That's... I said, you have to stay here forever and ever. And, and he brought he that was... with him from and what, he said, Columbine? I promise you. Colorado. Columbine, yeah. He brought he that. He said, I promise you. And he was dead a year later. And that's what he learned from Columbine is that if all these, if all of these independent agencies are yeah, having ego issues working. and not because working together. That's what we thought. We thought, here's an individual that we're here. He's here. Mm -hmm. He knows everything yeah. about putting together something. We're just, again, we're See, just I'm... another hub, uh, uh, you know, one of those pieces of the puzzle. And everybody needs to understand they are just one piece of the puzzle. So when you've got a missing person who may or may not have been murdered and you may or may not have a cadaver and your department does not have cadaver dogs, you're going to have to allow cadaver dogs to now be part of your Agreed. team. And those cadaver dogs are going to have to respect the law enforcement as part of that team. And we're all going to have to work together on this common goal. Right. And that's why I work so strongly with the cadaver part of it, because there are very few lost people anymore, only because... 
everyone's now has a cell phone yeah, it's got a gps on it yeah so that's yeah. how you know the the searching for lost people kind of really diminished we haven't had a call for that in really? years you know and then you can learn how those currents work from glade we and glade can learn so jacked we were so excited we thought wow this what is going to be it we're going to be recognized i don't remember I, I think I had my first. He was fantastic. We're going to work oh, on that. I mean, he got us equipment, it's, but it's, he was an emergency management agency. He worked under Neva. He came in under her after she was resigning or something. And she was EMA manager? Huh? So that was the EMA manager at the time that he replaced? Okay. Mm -hmm. I'll find out. I don't even know if she's still around here or not. I'll find out. Don't worry. I, don't... <laughs> I met this guy. I'm like, you <laughs> are it. Dog. You yeah. are it. He was. And it's just, you know, it was sad because it would have been a really good thing. It, but it seemed it, to get so many so hard for everybody to work together. Like, so much competition. I yeah. know. I don't even... And I even just, among doggy, it's not just a law enforcement thing where they want to be protective of their information or their case or their turf or whatever. Dog handlers can I be I think the it all way. should be shared with everybody so you know what you're I'm working on doing, you know? Yeah. I'm yep. not the law, so... Yeah. And I know they have their reasons, apparently, for stopping the case or calling, you know, calling it off. But I was I never know told. I was never told why they didn't call anybody back. Yeah, I would like to know what those reasons were. I would love to know who that incident oh. commander was. Oh, that's rewinding. That What's that? Is it rewinding? No, no, it's still going. It seems like we went our way. Everybody went their way. Did and this we case just... impact that? For huh? you guys? Did this case um, or working on this search was it around this time that you guys? I think what it was is we had a bunch of these people that I don't know if they felt that we were getting too much attention or what it was, and I don't know what the deal actually was. So they kind of wanted to pull off on their own and okay. go with this. They wanted to work with a fire department. I didn't want to work with one specific fire department because I wanted to have our options open to go work under anybody. Anyway. And if you get under a agency like a fire department you have to stay with them yeah, and they yeah, are yeah. the ones that call you out so you don't get called out by the other one so i was trying to tell them if you want to get called out for searches we need to remain neutral and get called out by anybody well and that's so important because why have a resource in a county like this now i can understand if we're in new york city and we want to be in this borough or whatever you know in this neighborhood yeah. and we're gonna have our own but in a county like this with 900 miles why do i want my search and rescue personnel to be tied to one department well i know the one the one particular group was a husband and wife and it seemed like they wanted to buy all new equipment, have the fancy radios, get the nice outfits, you know, get our name all out there and stuff like that and be under a nice group and have all this, I don't know, belong to a, a, a thing where I just wanted to keep it neutral, be available to anybody, buy your own equipment, yeah. keep what you have, use whatever radios just we totally have. Totally different styles. And you'll like yeah. that. Style. And I think that's where everything kind of broke apart yeah. because I had my way, they wanted their way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't look the part. We didn't dress the part. We had, you know, again, <laughs> jacket and jeans. <laughs> well, that's it. You know, I went on a rescue boat. This girl looked like I told them looked like a tackle box threw up on her. She had, <laughs> I, I mean, radios yeah. and things and gadgets. I yeah. didn't know what they were. I got I went work. out there without my cell phone. Yeah. I put this on and I went out on the boat with. No, I didn't even take my cell phone. Mm -hmm. 
you know, to yeah. hold all that stuff, try to work a dog. It oh, just doesn't work. It's yeah. too distracting. You have that stuff in the way and it's shiny and yep. dangly and in the way with the it's leaves. It's great and for groups if they want to have like a, like a command people or volunteers who are, you know, not dog handlers who want to do that, provide that service during, you know, but I feel like I would be the same way. I would want my attention on my dog because how else right. am I going to know if it indicates if right. I'm looking at all right. my stuff? Right. And, well, I, think you they, know? I think they wanted to have insurance and they wanted to have the dog's certified which we did certify our dogs mm -hmm. but they wanted the national mm -hmm. certifications and that well i'm sorry mm -hmm. i'm not out to get all these totals to get my no. dog up there and I you know, just, by all means go do that but i'm gonna bring my dog out when you just need to know if this is an area that you should devote more energy to that's where i'm at you got 100 exactly. on a test or 30 on a test right. the I, dog's there to work. I want to know if that well is where i should be at i need a dog who just wants to go for a walk right. you know but these right. other and that's great so that would be my second step, like I said. And then after those dogs indicate, then I would ask for aeration material. Yeah, you know what I mean? Right, and then right. and then we work our way up to ground right. penetrating radar. And I have plans in my head how this is going to go. <laughs> okay, I want to, I want to talk Keep to you. Keep it up. Something too, okay. Okay. So that's it for this week, kids. Next week, I am going to be wrapping everything up into episode 10. I'm going to talk about last year's Jake's Rock search. Now that we have the background that Barb and Linda were able to give us today about dog searches in general, how the science of cadaver dogs work, and some of the social and interpersonal things that go into searches like this. We're also going to talk about those two tips again. So the one that came in 2003 and the one that came, I was wrong last week, it came in 2010, not 2012. Um, the person who gave that 2010 statement to police was willing to go on tape with me. So I'm going to put that person on next week and we're going to wrap up this season. If you guys have questions, if you have comments, if you have things that you want to share with me, you guys, now is the time. So until next week. weekly true crime podcast written and told by me, Stacey Gross of Two Moms Media. Your producers are me and Brian Hagberg of Your Daily Local. Our theme song is Diddy Six, written and produced by my father, Bob Gross. If you have information to share with police about Damien or his case, call Detective Tiffany Post at 814-723-2700. If you have stories, memories, or information about Damien or his case that you don't want to share with police, Text me instead at 814-230-5855. If you like the show, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review on whatever platform you're using to listen. It makes a big difference for us, and it also helps more people learn about Damien and his case. Until next week, kids, eyes and ears open, let's find Damien. <laughs>